first of all, I just want to say how much I appreciate you all as mothers um, getting up and out and wanting to think about uh, how to make your Christmas uh, have more significance spiritually. And I have four children, and they're two years apart, and I remember how hard it is to get out in the mornings when you have more than, well, even with one, but certainly more than one, especially if you have to park far away. So I appreciate your heart in that, and I commend you for your commitment to motherhood. I don't think you get near enough praise and um, just renown for your commitment to that. And it is a great thing in God's sight. It's a great thing in my sight that you're willing to do it. Uh, You know, every year before I can get my head around that it's time to even start thinking about Christmas, I start getting all these catalogs in the mail. And you know, I am a real sap for all these pictures that come in the mail uh, for that kind of Christmas. And I start kind of thinking, oh, that's the kind of Christmas that I want to have every year. I uh, just envision, you know, just wonderful uh, setups that stay in place and that uh, don't get messed up or torn down and that, you know, fall within my budget parameters that I could do. And, of course, food that I could fix that would look something like this and everybody would love it and not be complaining. And so what I have found over the course of my 44 years of marriage and doing Christmas, and by the way, I do hope you realize that as a wife and mother, you basically do Christmas. Um, It's kind of like my children, when they left home, they were kind of like, well, wait, who's going to do everything for Christmas? They hadn't realized that somebody has to do that. But what I have found is that if I want Christmas to be significant spiritually I really have to be purposeful about that and so I was just going to draw a little diagram up here um, to demonstrate this you know at Watermark we say that we want to be fully devoted followers of Christ and um, I love the phrase but sometimes I get stuck with well how does that really work when you're the mother of two small toddlers or you're the grandmother, I'm the grandmother of seven going on eight now, so how how does that work in the month of December for my heart to be fully devoted to Christ? And so what I think that sometimes happens is, and I use this term, let's see if this one's working enough to do it, holly, that's not, I will do it in uh, red. I use this term, holly, to kind of refer to the cultural side of Christmas, the slick side that you get in all of the catalogs. So that's going to be my reference for holly. And what I find that we sometimes try to do is we want to have that holly side, but then our heart really does want to have a holy side. And so what we kind of wind up in the month of December is that it's like we're riding two horses, one leg on each. And that works fine as long as the two horses stay in tandem, but in the month of December they tend not to. And so we wind up very stressed out and we wind up at the end of Christmas just kind of with a sigh of relief that it's over but not really feeling like we accomplished anything significantly spiritually. And so what I want to challenge us today is just to look at the difference between holly and holy is one L. And I just want to challenge you today to capture that one L and make it Lord. 
and be very purposeful about that. And I'm going to give you some suggestions on how to do that. And then what I have found within my experience in the 44 years of December's as a wife and mother and doing Christmas, that if I capture that L, make it Lord, then Christmas does become holy. And the word holy means set apart for God. And so if we focus on making Christ Lord over Christmas in our December, then it is set apart for him. And then what I find is, it doesn't mean we have to get rid of all the holly things. It just means that they get in perspective and take their rightful place. And you notice now I'm putting it in small letters and not in caps. And so this is what I want to challenge you to strive for in December, is making Christ Lord then your Christmas will be set apart for him. Then you can enjoy the holly things a whole lot more. Now, um, how to do it? Well, here's what I have found within my own life. I try to, in the month of October, to come up with a specific verse that's going to be my Christmas verse for that year. And I memorize it. And my commitment to that verse is that all through the season of Christmas, which really now starts about right now in the middle of November, that I will be meditating on that verse and I will call it to mind in all the things that I do for Christmas. So it's keeping my mind focused on something about Christ. Now let me give you some ideas of verses that we've used in our family for this. When the children were little, we used John 3.16 one year. We all learned it. And then we just constantly were coming back to it. And I mean like when you're decorating the tree, you're thinking, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And Lord, I want this tree to bring honor to you in some way. And I want it to project something in our home and family so that the world understands your great love. As you're cooking, as you're shopping for groceries, you're shopping for gifts, you're wrapping, you're just bringing that verse back constantly. Another one I did a couple years ago that really ministered to me was Mark 10:45, And it says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And as I meditated on that verse through the Christmas season, it just struck me how much I was unlike Christ, how much I wanted to be served. And the best test to know that about myself was when anybody treated me like a servant, I was very offended. And it showed me what my heart was like. And so that verse really ministered to me that year. Another one we did when the kids were younger is 2 Corinthians 9.15 because it's nice and short and it's fun to teach to little kids. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. And unspeakable, we would cover our mouths and be very quiet for a minute. And that's very hard for little kids to do. And so that turned into kind of a fun game. But to just meditate on that verse as we were doing everything Christmassy, just as I was driving in the traffic, Christmas traffic. God, I'm going to take time to think here. Thank you for you giving this unspeakable gift. And I would meditate on what does the word unspeakable mean? Well, it stops my speech. It stops my mind. It stops me from just going, going, going and reflect on eternity. Now, mine for this year is going to be Psalms 103, verses 1 and 2. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And the word bless there means to praise. 
And so I want to meditate this Christmas season on praising God for his holy name. And that leaves me some avenues to start thinking about his name. And we actually did uh, this uh, verse, just this portion of this verse when the kids were little. And I'm going to show you in a minute. We did some things where we drew pictures of God's name so that we could actually praise his holy name. And the second uh, verse in Psalms 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And the rest of Psalms 103 lists his benefits. And so I'm hoping this year to maybe on a weekly basis or so look at the next verses and be thinking specifically about some of those benefits that God gives us. And the reason I chose this section for this year is my sister just died. And my sister was not a believer, but she grew up knowing about Christ. But what I realized is I was watching my grandchildren in the backyard one day and they were blowing bubbles and they would want to catch them, but when they did, they just evaporated before them. I realized that my sister had really treated her childhood and her knowledge of Christ like he was just a bubble like that. And you could just poof it away. You could just clap and it would disappear. And that she didn't take Christ very significantly. And so it's made me want to come back and really reflect on his name and who he is and not let him become this cardboard figure or this little bubble that can just be vanished away out of my life. So that's the reason I chose that verse. Now, this chart is just a potpourri of things that we have done as a family as we have asked the Lord to help us stay focused on Him so that Christmas would be holy and that the holy things will be in their right perspective. Now, none of this is divinely inspired. It's just my thoughts and ideas and things that we did. And you are unique. And in your family, all I'm hoping this will do is just cause some brainstorming on your part. And you pick and choose and you put together and you will form your own family's personality. That's part of the wonder of having a family. And that's an important concept to convey to your children. Each family is unique. You're not all alike. Another family may do things differently than you. God knew what you needed in a family. He's put you in the right place. And we can enjoy our uniqueness as a family. Uh, Just to the side of holy, I put principles of your Christmas. I think a really important thing is for you and your mate to sit down and kind of discuss your principles of Christmas. And I think that includes things like... How are you going to handle the Santa Claus question? There's not a right way or a wrong way. It's just you need to decide how you want to do it so that you start on the same page and you're consistent year after year with that. The way we did that in our family is we just used the words truth and imagination. And we played along with Santa Claus as long as it was appropriate. The kids wanted to, but we always used the words. This is an imaginary idea to reflect some things that are true. But Jesus is true. And Jesus is the real reason for Christmas. And that's as far as we went with it. We just used those words all the time. Imaginary and truth. And we would just balance that out. And they seem to have just enjoyed Santa Claus and grow out of that without any big personality um, defeats. Um, Another thing I think the two of you need to decide is in a given season every Christmas like what is something you particularly want to accomplish that season or you want to do and uh, 
maybe it's that you want to teach the children a scripture verse or maybe it's a Christmas that you want to all go to the Christmas Eve service but just to kind of think through what are some goals for our Christmas season this year and then that way it helps you set boundaries you're not trying to do everything and you're also not just being influenced wildly by seeing this or that and thinking oh we'll do that but you're planning ahead and you're being pers- uh, purposeful and the other thing and it goes along with the square up above you need to talk about your budget for Christmas and James and I found that if we sat down and discussed budget for Christmas both of us operated in December a lot happier just decide how much are we going to spend on kids how much are we going to spend on family gifts how much are we going to spend outside of family gifts are we going to do Christmas cards in other words just look at all the expenses and budget and amount and what I found is if, if I asked God to help me live within those budget figures James gave me more and more freedom to be creative and to do whatever I wanted with those funds but if, if, if I made him worry that I was going to be sneaky and I was going to charge something and I didn't mention to him the exact cost then he got nervous about all of that and then he started not wanting Christmas to be as much fun as I thought it should be so it's a good balance he wanted it to be fun but he wanted to live within our means and what we could afford and I wanted it to be fun and I wanted to be able to be creative and resourceful with it and that budget has helped both of us accomplish that now I emailed my kids that uh, I was going to do this so I said out of all the things we did as a family concerning uh, keeping Christ as the Lord of Christmas what things did you enjoy most and without fail across the board all of them sent back the same thing as number one and that is up at the top there hiding baby Jesus and so in our family we have a nativity set that um, I'm very proud of that I made when I only had one child and I had a friend who was in ceramics and I would go to her house with my one child and she painted hers all these beautiful colors and I painted mine white which was the best I could do but anyway she had a kiln and she fired it so it's something you know I've had early on so every Christmas we get that out and we put it up but what we would do closer into Christmas the last couple of weeks before Christmas each day we would rotate a child and they would hide the baby Jesus now my idea in them doing that was to make them think about that Jesus can get lost in the Christmas season and where would be places he might get lost and uh, but my, one of my sons who's uh, very busy and very terse just emailed back and said oh that whole hiding the baby Jesus thing is what comes to my mind and that was all he said <laughs> but um, our youngest child actually wrote a blog about this tradition so I'm going to read a little bit out of what she wrote she says when I was growing up in between Thanksgiving and Christmas each of us would take turns hiding the baby Jesus yes you heard me right we would hide the baby Jesus we would come home from school and whoever was the hider for the day would take the baby Jesus out of the nativity scene hide it somewhere in our house while the other three of us sat with our eyes clenched shut once Jesus was hidden they would yell out okay and the search would begin sometimes Jesus would be found quickly but sometimes it would take the better part of the afternoon for us to find him over the years we got to be pretty creative in where we hid Jesus in things like the cookie jar the trash can or inside the battleship box my whole life I thought this game 
game of hide and seek with Jesus was a Christmas tradition in every family. In junior high, I went to a friend's house after school and their baby Jesus was in the manger of their nativity, just right in broad daylight. So I asked what I thought was an ordinary question. Why isn't your baby Jesus hidden? And that was the first realization that baby Jesus hiding was only a Wimberley family tradition. Now she actually went on in her little blog to write some things that she actually felt like she learned from hiding the baby Jesus. One of them was that you have to search for the true meaning of Christmas, otherwise it does get lost. And the other that was no matter where Jesus was, he could be the Lord of anything. And that now in life she recognizes he's the Lord, he can be the Lord at Starbucks or he can be the Lord whatever she is doing. And so she felt like she kind of got the uh, seeds of that by hiding the baby Jesus and finding them in places. So that's something that we did in our family that was just strictly a thought and turned out to be their favorite thing. And some of the other things, you know, may not have been very significant to them. So you don't know what will down through the years be the most important. But the second one, and I even got this from uh, a daughter-in-law from our family that the things that they enjoy is the letter from Santa. And what we did is every Christmas Eve we would leave something from Santa. And sometimes it was one thing or another and then on Christmas morning it would be gone and instead there would be this letter from Santa which James wrote and in it he always had something spiritual and I wish I had kept all of them but you know when we started it I know it's going to be a big deal and I didn't keep them all so this one's from 1982 we still do it at our house and so we still read that in the morning before breakfast on Christmas morning So I'm going to read it to you. It's a little bit lengthy, but I just want you to get the gist of it. Because now as I look back, I realize this was a great way for James to lead our family spiritually without being didactic where he said, okay, everybody sit down and get out your Bibles. We're going to do this. But we did this fun Christmas letter every year. So this is the one from 1982. Ho, ho, ho. I can't believe it's been a whole year since I came to your house. I really do thank you for the beef jerky because I really do get tired of cookies. I'm really glad that your grandma and your Mimi and granddad are here for Christmas. You are very fortunate to have good grandparents. I hope you like the presents I bought, brought. I always like bringing presents to your house because you're always willing to share them with the other members of your family. A lot of brothers and sisters don't act that way, so I really appreciate you. And I know why you're different, because I know each of you has asked Jesus to come into your heart. That's the most important thing you will ever do in your life. He really makes a difference in how you live, and I can see that difference in you, Jenna, and you, Jonathan, and you, Joshua, and now you, Jordan. I love you all very much, and it's a special time for me to come to your house. It all always looks neat and warm and homey because you have a wonderful creative mother. Now isn't that nice? God has blessed you and your family and I hope you'll remember to thank him for it. I better go now because I have a lot of work to do. Love Santa. Ho, ho, ho. Now, you know, eventually the kids realized Daddy was writing the letter, but the letter became important and it is still something that they look forward to on Christmas morning. Now, the square to the right of Holy says spiritual gift. One of the things we decided early on is that every Christmas we would try to give the children something that had spiritual meaning. In addition, we did not substitute it for what they had on their wish list because that would have been a real negative for them. But we would include something that had spiritual meaning. And this is what we would tell our children as they were growing up. 
two things last forever. One of them is God's word. Oh, it's not going to last in this form with a cover and pages. But the words themselves, the truths that are there, will last forever. So God's word lasts forever. And the second thing that lasts forever is the is people. The real person who lives inside a body house. That your body is just a house. And one day that house will fall apart, disintegrate, and die. But the real person who lives inside lives forever. And so we would constantly tell them two things live forever. And so we would give them something spiritual as a Christmas gift. We open it last and what we would say is, you know, you've opened everything and right now you're really excited about it, but you know it's not going to last forever. And actually in a few days, much of it will not matter to you. But two things do last forever. We go through that again and we say this gift is to help you remember those two things. God's word and that people last forever. And we want to invest our lives in knowing God's word and in telling people about Jesus so that they can be with him forever rather than separated from him. And when they were little, we just did things like a book or we might do one time we did lamb puppet that uh, became a good little playmate that we used at playtime. Uh, could be a CD that has songs on it. Could be a, a DVD nowadays that would, uh, you know, have a spiritual significance. Could have been a picture for their room. Uh, just going to the Bible bookstore and looking for toys. One year we did um, the armor of God, where they could actually dress up in it, and we talked about that, and they played with that through that year. So just ask God to help you be creative, and we still do this even as adults. One year we. The spiritual gifts was we paid for them to go to a marriage retreat and they all went together one weekend. Uh, this year we're doing something uh, that I don't know exactly how it's going to turn out, but don't tell my children what it's going to be because they don't know it yet. But we've asked their godfather to write a letter to uh, them about what he would give them if he could give them anything to live life with and we just got the idea from Todd's sermon series on children or gifts I'd give my children and we thought this person who has been significant in their lives would be a great one to ask to write them what he would like to give them so we're uh, encouraging him to get that done so we can get it ready and that will be what we open last sometimes it's been a prayer calendar you know uh, those flip chart things uh, just anything but just something that helps them realize you really value the spiritual and that the spiritual is what really matters. Now, in this last column, the very uh, far right column, if you go down that, I put some things that have to do with character. Because what you really want to do in Christmas with your children and keeping uh, Christ as Lord is you want to put the emphasis on character, not just at Christmas, but in all of their lives. But what you particularly want to develop character-wise at Christmas is that they get the concept that Christmas is not about getting. It is about giving. And it starts with God giving Jesus and Jesus giving up heaven and coming. And that we want to have that heart attitude. We want to have a giving attitude. And so... We try to do things at Christmas that would develop character in them and work on it. Now, character development is not microwavable. It does not happen uh, in their second year or third year. And I would love to say to you it does not happen in their 37, 35th, 30. 
second and thirtieth year either. It is lifetime. So you're always uh, praying and working on building character. But here are some things we did that we felt like could develop character. One thing is we set up a way for them to earn some money, just a little bit of money, so they could buy gifts for each other and uh, James and me as parents. And uh, then we would take them to the store and we would let them pick out and spend that money for those gifts and then they were responsible for wrapping them. And uh, when they were really little, the way we did this is we had a garage sale sometime in October, November, and what we asked them to do was go through their toys and sort out things they did not play with and that they could put in the garage sale. And all the toys that they sold in the garage sale, that money went to them, like they put their name on it, Jenna, on the things she was selling, and then she would get that money, and that is how they would earn money to buy Christmas gifts for each other. And I look back on that and realize it takes some time and energy to do that, but even if when they're little, if the only thing they can buy is a pack of gum or, you know, a little piece of candy for each other, there's something about them having earned the money, them doing the shopping, them doing the wrapping, that they're giving part of themselves away, and it will change their attitude about Christmas. So uh, just invest in that. I, I would encourage you to do that in some creative way. Secondly, we felt like that at Christmas we wanted to uh, create an opportunity for them to be involved in giving money to people who were less fortunate than they were. And so what we did in our family, and I tell you the truth, if they were here right now, every one of them would say, oh, we hated that. But the truth is they didn't hate it when they were little. It's just as they got to be teenagers, they didn't want any part of it. But uh, we bought a Santa suit, and James would dress up as Santa, and then we bought elf hats, and the kids would go with him as elves. And he would go to the bank. We would set in our budget a certain amount of money, and he'd get $1 bills. And we would find the names of one or two families in our area who were in need, and they would just drive by on Christmas Eve, and they would ask each person's age, and they would give that person the number of $1 bills for their age and the kids could count them out and pass them out. And so that turned out to be a fun way when they were little for them to be one, you know, firsthand involved. And you can do that in lots of other ways. Another thing we did as a family is we would go to the Union Gospel Mission on Christmas Eve and help serve. And by the way, the Hildebrand family did that and we always met up there on Christmas Eve. They had four children too. So we, between us with all of our eight children together we pretty much served the dinner on Christmas Eve but that was always a good time it because you're in the thick of Christmas right then on Christmas Eve and to go down and realize there are people who have been on the street and would be on the street except from coming in there and we would sit down and hear some of their stories and I felt like it always sobered the children and you can't do it when they're really young you'll have to wait till they get a little bit older and then you always need to call at least in about October and say that you want to come serve on Christmas Eve because they just take a certain number of people and if you do have a large family uh, you need to do that ahead but I remember one Christmas Eve we went to the Christmas Eve service was at five and we left there and we went down we served and we drove back home and we had a van you know all of us fit in and when we were driving in the driveway the gate into the backyard squeaked it had this squeak which usually nobody noticed but I felt like everybody was real quiet driving home and so when that gate squeaked everybody kind of was aware of it and Joshua said oh the sound of having a house 
and I realized that all of a sudden that little squeak meant a whole lot more to him you know that he was thinking of it when he normally would the next thing on there is uh, thank you notes now I, I would encourage you to help your children do this very young and just keep each Christmas making it kind of a part of your tradition and we would think about what we were going to do for thank you notes before Christmas and I would let them either make some cards by putting stickers on the cards or picking out some pretty color paper whatever we would say okay this is what's going to be on our thank you notes and then we would sit down after Christmas dinner everybody at the table and either they would just draw or they would dictate to me and I would put down and we would do it and they love to seal up envelopes when they're little and put stamps on and so we would get it all done right then but I felt like by doing that it encouraged them to realize to be grateful not to think that somebody owed them something for Christmas or that they deserved it but that someone had given out of the goodness of their heart and hopefully that that would transfer into other areas of their lives um, and then the last thing there on that character list is we always had a birthday party for Jesus. And what I think we accomplished by that was just being bold about who we were as a family, that we really did believe it was Jesus' birthday. And we would invite other children in the neighborhood to come, and we would just do, let's see, I brought some of our little invitations. We'd just do something, that one just had the verse on it. Let me see if this, well... I didn't bring one. But anyway, it would just say, come to a birthday party for Jesus. And it would just have our address and the time. And it would just be for an hour. And here's one of the things that we did at the birthday party for Jesus. And by the way, this was not my original idea. It's a girl here at Watermark, and I cannot think of her name. She works in the children's work even now. But anyway, it was her thought to do it. But it works great. We had a lot of fun with it at birthday parties for Jesus. Make a one layer of a chocolate cake get a gold doily and you start with a gold doily on the bottom and at your party you just put that down and you say gold stands for heaven just like the wordless book colors and God wants you to be there with him and then you put down the one layer of the chocolate cake but our heart is stained with dark things wrong things that we do and we cannot be there with him and then get a cherry pie filling and you spread that on top of the chocolate cake and you say Jesus died and gave his life and his blood so that the wrong things that we did could be forgiven and then you take cool whip and cover the whole thing so it's all pure white and that's what Jesus does for us when we invite him into our life and then we would just uh, get green sprinkles and sprinkle on the top and we would say green stands for growing and that's what God wants us to do he wants us to grow in him and kids loved uh, watching while we made that cake and then we would just uh, put some candles on it sing happy birthday to Jesus and blow it out we would play some games we would do instead of pin the tail on the donkey we do pin the candle on the birthday cake uh, we would fill a jar with uh, cotton puffs and see, let people guess at how many snowballs were in the uh, jar. Just do simple little things. But uh, it was a way for us as a family to proclaim that we believe Jesus was the purpose for Christmas. Okay. Now the other things on here are just odd and ends of things that we did. So I'm just going to kind of uh, go through them rapidly. Um, we would keep a Bible open to Luke 2, and we would, I just used a big Bible that had the big print, and I put it somewhere uh, on a coffee table or end table that was near the Christmas tree, because I wanted them to realize the truth 
of Christmas came from God's word. And so we would open it to that, and I would let them help me find it. And sometimes we would just play uh, a game where I would close the Bible, and I would see if they could find Luke 2. It starts with an L, and you're looking for the number 2, and just let them find. So I wanted them to have a sense of the Christmas story being from the Bible. Also, I think it just worked well for me to have a pictorial representation of uh, the Christmas story. And I actually use flannel figures, but now CEF has this nice book with um, pictures in it. I'll tell you, will you come and hold this for me? Because I can't hold microphone and do. Uh, it goes through the Christmas story with great flashcard pictures. Uh, and it has uh, It has a thing that comes with it. It gives you what you would say for all the pictures. But it does cover all the aspects of the Christmas story. And what I would do when they were little is at nap time, I would just tell them one section of it. And then the next day, I'd kind of review to see if they remembered that and then go to the next section of it. But I didn't, you know, try to tell them the whole story at one sitting. But we kind of just broke it up through the Christmas season. And this, uh, like this goes all the way through the king's coming and if you wanted to order this it seems like to me it was maybe $15 Uh, you can go to child evangelism put in google child evangelism and then put Dallas Texas and it'll come up for the CEF office in Dallas and give you a way to email them and the girl's name there is Karen Palmer and I just when I want something I just email her and she just mails it to me and I just send her back a check. She includes a statement in it and I just send her back a check for what she sent me. Also, I order these things from her. These little miniature wordless books because if you're giving other Christmas gifts, you can let your children kind of put them on as a special little tie with a bow or whatever and it has those wordless book colors. And teach your children. I use this with my grandchildren all the time. Just what does the gold stand for? What does the dark stand for? What does the red stand for the white and the green and so they can learn that easily when they're children and they can use that as a tool to even talk to their friends about Jesus okay um, then another thing we did uh, is I I am a pack rat so I kept, keep Christmas cards and sometime in December I would just pull them out and I would let them cut pictures out and we would make placemats and I would laminate them and then we would use them at Christmas um, dinners or times before Christmas and so here's one I think this was Josh it was either Josh or Jonathan's I think and so he this is the pictures he cut out and he says for there will be peace on earth at Christmas not quite true but um, he was getting the idea Uh, and so I would just let them cut out things and then we would think of something they wanted to say about Jesus on their placemat and this was uh, I think this was Jordan's one year Jesus is my answer that she did in just colored. So we still use those now. I pull them out and put them at the grandchildren's table so they can see what their mommies and daddies did when um, they were little. Okay, uh, now the gift box thing. And this turned out to be a fun thing in our family. Just get a gift box. And if you can find one that actually has something on it that you want to encourage your children to remember. But if not, just write it on a card and glue it on the box. But we use this box every Christmas, and I choose somebody who gets that box for that year, and I put something silly in it for them. 
and our box says wise men still seek him and it is well falling apart but I keep it taped and when anybody it's their year to have it and that gift and then I always ask for the box back and put it in a special place that we can pull it out the next year so we have used that box for over 30 years now and um, so it's become kind of a special treat for us on Christmas Day who gets the box and we remember that what it says wise men still seek him and that still applies to you Uh, an advent calendar you can do something so simple as just to use a white marker board and if you start with December 1st to write 1 through 25 then each day let them erase or start 25 through 1 each day let them erase one number and ask them a question about the Christmas story when they erase it and then they get a sticker or something they can answer it you know you want to teach the Christmas story when they're little in just very simple little facts like who was Jesus what was Jesus' mother's name and oh did Jesus sleep in a crib no where did he sleep just simple little things that give them the facts of the Christmas story and um you know, if you have a children's Christmas Bible, that's another tool you can use to just uh, get them those facts so that they begin to know about that. And I would emphasize maybe one particular part of it each season. Like maybe the first season, all you talk about is how Jesus left heaven and he came to earth and he was born as a baby and put in a manger. And if they're two and they get that, fine. And then next year when they're three, you add in the part about the shepherds and the next year the part about the kings and, and build on that. Another thing we did was uh, just we had a favorite sugar cookie recipe and I would say to all of you that you need a favorite sugar cookie recipe if you have children because there's just a lot of times you need to make cut out cookies. And uh, if you have a cookie cutter for a star and a cross, that was what we used to represent that Jesus was born, the star led the way, but he came for a purpose and that was to die on the cross. And you even start teaching them that when they're very young so they get the connection. So stars and crosses as cookies are a good way to do that. Okay, let me see. Uh, in that second column, we did uh, Christmas bingo as a fun game where I just would do little white squares like these that had like a candle, and we talk about Jesus is the light of the world, or they had an angel, and we talk about that the angel came and told the shepherds. But I would just glue, maybe I just do four for a Christmas season, I, and then I would just let the children glue them on a card, and then we'd put a stack of the others in the middle, and they'd draw it out, and if they could match them up, they got a star or something but again just reinforcing the facts of the Christmas story and making them aware of it just letting it become part of their playtime children do not distinguish uh, as something being secular or spiritual in their playtime they're very happy to play period so if you can create situations where they do that you can do a lot of teaching And I would say start letting your children learn a Christmas carol each season. Uh, Way in a Manger is the great one to start when they're toddlers. Uh, And like when you do something when they're maybe three, four, four, or five, like Joy to the World, just teach them the first line. Joy to the World, the Lord has come. It has a tremendous amount of meaning in it, and they love that. They love to clap and cheer that he's come and if you if they just learn that line of joy to the world you've taught them something that is truth about Christ um, then uh, we kept dress up items and so that they could just sometimes in their play with each other or when friends came over they could just dress up and do act out the Christmas story and sometimes they would do it like for grandparents when they came now 
I am such a pack rat. I actually had my bag, <laughs> what we use, and it smells horrible. So I am going to throw it away after today because I realize the grandchildren will not be able to play with this. It's too musty smelling. But here's just a piece of cloth, and we just cut a, a circle in the middle of the piece of fabric. If I can find where the circle is. Here it is. And that, that way that would go over their heads and they were instantly a shepherd. Here's an old bathrobe. You can look at, for old bathrobes at garage sales and then everybody could be a shepherd. And then include a scarf so that Mary could have something around the top of her head. Uh, this could uh, tie with this, you know, to be the shepherd's uh, hat. And a stick for a shepherd, just put some sticks in your dress bag and then some kind of a crown so they could be the king. And old bath mats that are fluffy, if you just cut a hole so they could put it over their neck, that's a great king's cape or robe. So just create your own little dress-up center during December for the nativity and let them be shepherds and let them be the kings and let them be Mary and Joseph. And then get a baby doll for uh, the baby Jesus. Another thing we did, uh, we invited, as the children were growing up, one thing that James and I really wanted to do is to make them aware that God loved the world. And so we realized that financially we could not take them around the world. And so we prayed that God would bring the world to us. And so we would invite on Christmas at some point during the Christmas season, we would invite some international students to come and have a meal with us. And what we found out is that international students who are here are dying to come to an American's house for Christmas because they have no idea what goes on, what it's like, or what it means. And we did not realize what an open door that was. And so that grew and grew to where we had lots of internationals coming. And you know something else? They love to help you decorate. And I was glad to have somebody help me decorate. And they just think, you know, it's the first time for them. It's like, oh my goodness, what do you do with this? And where do you put this or what? And I was like, wow, just put it right over there. (laughs) String that stuff around there. So that became a great fun thing for us to have internationals. And down the road what we did is we actually wound up having a lot of Chinese students. And we purchased the Jesus film in Mandarin Chinese and we would show it while we were decorating and um, one of Joshua's friends named Mike Russ came through one day when we were doing that he said is that Jesus speaking Chinese? (laughs) I mean he was just a kid and he said I didn't know Jesus spoke Chinese (laughs) so it was funny I've always teased Mike about that now that he thought Jesus actually did go around speaking in Chinese at the time but anyway and if you want to uh, track down uh, international students, uh, uh, International Student Association, ISI, is in Dallas. You can put in ISI and find out and call them. They would help you do that. I have a friend who teaches internationals at North Texas. And if you're interested in doing that, let me know. And Pat could find some who would love to come. Uh, they are so interested in being in an American home. And uh, you do have to watch uh, food some dietary things but you know they can they're not going to spend two weeks with you so they can kind of pick if they don't like exactly what you have okay the last thing oh I just put on here um, nativity set if you get that little Fisher Price nativity set I have found that with my grandchildren we can just pick one piece out of that and make the centerpiece of our evening meal just change it each night and then talk about 
wonder what that sheep thought when the angels appeared, you know, or what was the cow doing when Jesus was in the manger? And so we would just we just substitute, and that's worked well with them. Um, then up at the top, I put notes in their baby book or journal. I really did try at the end of Christmas night after the kids had gone to bed to sit down and just write a short thing in either their baby book or in a journal about Christmas for them that year. And I wanted to do it because we were trying to be purposeful and I wanted to let them know what we were seeing in them. Just I mean, like, I watch, I don't want to go too long. Um, this was to Jonathan in uh, Christmas of 82. I said, Dear Jonathan, first on your Christmas list was a go-kart, but Santa did not bring it. Instead, Santa brought you and Josh a basketball goal. But I'm really proud of you because you seem to not be disappointed. And I really do think that was a growth thing for him that year. That he realized that it was okay. He didn't get it what he had put on his list. So I wanted to make a note of that for him to realize. And then um, this is December of 81 and this was to Joshua. Joshua, you were very sweet this Christmas as you wanted to buy everyone presents with your own money. We drew names to shop at Santa's Secret Shop and you wanted Grandma's name because you had the perfect gift in mind and you got her a mug that said Grandma and you wrapped it yourself and you tagged it by yourself and you were very pleased when she opened it and I appreciate how generous you were to do that. Um... You wanted a very expensive bike, which we decided was too much right now. But you did seem pleased with what Santa brought. The only thing you hated were the PJs from Mom and Dad, and that's okay. <laughs> and this was to Joshua in 83. Joshua, you did your shopping wrapping before anyone else in the family. You have a generous spirit and a good knack for picking out gifts that are pleasing to the receivers. And so just to make short little notes... So that, you know, once it's all open and you're just carrying out boxes and trash, it seems kind of meaningless. But I found if then I would get all that done and then sit down and focus on what did I see in my children this year? How have they grown? Did I see any germ of maturing in them in handling Christmas? Because... Christmas is a hard thing to handle, not only for children, but even for adults. And so if you invest some time in helping them learn to handle it, it I think it will help them as adults in how they manage uh, Christmas. Now, I started out with this and just challenging you to make Christ, the Lord of your Christmas, that will set it aside and apart for him, that makes it holy. And the holy things can all be fun, but not create stress and not have the prominence of being number one in what happens. And I said, I start that out by memorizing a verse, but the other thing I do is I pray that God will help me do that. And I want to take just a minute and uh, let you have just maybe two minutes here and just pray that God would help you this Christmas season to make Christ the Lord of your season. And you know what? When it starts in us as the wives and moms, then we can give it away as we serve the rest of our family. But if it doesn't start with us, then don't be trying to impose it on the rest of them. So let me just take a couple of minutes here and just be quiet and let you pray for a few minutes and we'll conclude. 
Lord, I do pray that you will just still our hearts and that you would help us to make you Lord of our Christmas season. Father, I pray you will help us to be able to set it aside and be holy to you. And that you would just bless us as we go throughout it so that we can serve our families well. Father, we do want to make it meaningful and purposeful for our families to seek you first, to love you, to obey you, to know more about you, to believe and trust that you are worthy of surrendering their lives to. Let us pray for each of these girls, that you would bless them in that this season, that you would protect them, just help them. I pray it will not be just a marathon. I pray that you will give them some moments of reflection and time with you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'm going to set this microphone down just a minute. Um, I just want to say to you that I've given you a, a bunch of different things. And I don't want you to think, oh my gosh, I can't do that. I just want you to think on one or two. This, this Christmas season, what would be one or two things that you might try to do? And then next season you can start and do, you know, add something else or try something else. Maybe what you try this season doesn't work. Don't get discouraged by that. But, you know, potpourri has lots of different elements in it. And it combines to where... It just creates a wonderful scent and aroma. And that's what I really desire for you to do in how you handle December and Christmas for your families, is to create an aroma, a scent that is pleasing to the Lord because it's made Him first. And I'm going to set this back on that table. And I brought some tool, and maybe you can just pick up... It's not as much as I thought it was when I poured out the bag. But just maybe pick up a piece or two and wrap it in that tool and tie it off with a bow. And let it be a little sachet that you stick somewhere to remind you of desiring to create that aroma for the Lord. So somebody will walk back there and set that on that table where that tool is. And then do you have any questions? I'll be glad to answer questions. Did you do all of this every year? No. I mean, I'm just thinking, like, all of this for kids? Like, no, I didn't please. do it every year. I didn't do it every year. This is, this is composite 44 years. I did not do this every year. Now, I did write in their baby books probably every year till they were probably 10 or so. I don't do it now. <laughs> I figure they can take it over and do it for their kids. But I did do that. I did write in the baby books. We did hide Santa every year. We do have a letter from Santa Claus every year. But the other things were, you know, one year we'd do this, another year we'd do that. Uh-huh. Um, the Child Evangelism Dallas, the Google thing, mm-hmm. um, is that a website for other tools like this? Yes. That you yes. If you put in Child Evangelism, it'll, first of all, if you just put in Child Evangelism, it will take you to the nationwide Child Evangelism who has tons of tools. They do have a great series for teaching toddlers. It's five book series teaching them about creation, uh, teaching them about miracles. Uh, And you can order from their store. The local one you need to put in Dallas, and her name is Karen Palmer. She can get you anything from the national store, too, so you could go either way. The little miniature books, for some reason, Dallas has and the national doesn't. But the national has lots of tools, lots lots of tools. And they have songs and they have 
um, CDs and things. Uh-huh. He doesn't like to hear that music. That you're talking specifically about that in the car? No. Or period, he said. Uh huh. Uh huh. I haven't been, you know, I haven't been doing a ton of stuff, but that's just a ton of music or, you know, we pray or just Right. He told me that you have to keep crying, you don't want to say his prayers for dinner. He just kind of showing signs that. Okay, here's what I would do. First of all, stay calm. Do not react to that. Just say. Just stay very calm and say, are you feeling right now that you're just not, you just don't want to talk to Jesus and let him express whatever he wants to express? And then secondly, I would look for different ways to do it. It, I would redirect his focus and attention. And maybe he doesn't want to do it that way. And I would just let it go. I would not make an issue over it at that point. And I would just look for another creative way to do it. Uh, sometimes I found with kids, if you do take just index cards, the larger ones, not the smaller ones, and you draw something on them, and you ha- pass them out at the meal, or you hold them up and say, who wants to thank God for oranges? And let them physically take the card. And then they thank God for oranges. Who wants to thank God for banana? In other words, I would try to just try to change up the routine. But when they, I, and I, you know, he's two and a half. I wouldn't get too involved with it. But just, I would just say, sometimes we feel like that, that we're not interested in talking to Jesus. And I would then move from that to focusing on how, what Jesus would feel about that. Did you know that Jesus loves you anyway? He does not change how he feels about you. Isn't that wonderful to think about? That even right now when you don't want to talk to him, Jesus still loves you. And I would leave it. Yeah. Because I have learned you cannot change somebody's heart. (laughs) And if anybody could have, I would love to have done it (laughs) for my four. But you can't. So you just do your best. But... uh, you know that part of that is just a natural progression and so just don't make a big I would not make a big issue about it I would just look for another opportunity you what you want to do is ask God to make you aware of the teachable moments with them and you don't accomplish much when it's not the teachable moment uh-huh um, what is where your thing um, when you had your own family Right. Yeah, and I should have addressed that. A lot of this will apply to when you have your own. Um, we probably didn't. We're not able to. Act. Well, I would say maybe at the point where we had our third child. Once we had three, and then with the fourth, probably with two, we still did travel some. But past two, we pretty much said, we, we want to be at, at our house, and you're welcome to come here. And now what we do with our children, when they married, we said to them, we would like to get together one, 
like long weekend during the year as a family and everybody comes but other than that you don't have to come home for any holidays and the funny thing is we see more of them than we ever dream but I think that freedom of saying you don't have to come Christmas you don't have to come Thanksgiving or Easter and don't feel like you have to but just once a year we'd like to get together and so sometimes kind of discussing this thing about your principles of Christmas is kind of talking through that how much longer are we going to travel how are we going to handle your parents my parents what we do what we do as a family is Christmas and you kind of have to ease out of some of it I mean I don't I don't think it's wise to be you know flat out ugly but you know began talking about in January you know we're thinking maybe next Christmas so that they have kind of time to adjust <laughs> and work out <laughs> yeah but what I found with having four I knew um, we just knew that we needed to just say you know, if you can come Christmas, great. If you can't, fine. No problem. And they will not all be here this Christmas. And it's okay. All right. Anything else or is it time to go? All right. I appreciate it.